This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Goodbye baseball, a walk-off. Winner for Mitch Hattiger. Swing, line, drive. This game is over. Birthday, goodbye baseball. Mitch Hattiger ties it up here in the bottom of the ninth inning. James Paxton has just thrown a no-hitter. The big lefty is getting mobbed out of the Now, mound. here's your host, Gary Hill. All right, welcome back. Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Welcome to Baltimore. This is the Mariners... Back on track, a win last night over Baltimore, so we'll talk about that coming up. Also, take a look at the next three games in this series, so a lot to get to here in the podcast today, including a conversation with Scott Brocious, so all that comes up. Mariners looking to recover after what has been a tough stretch in New York and Boston, and they certainly got off on the right foot last night, striking early in the ball game. D. Gordon coming up big. The 3-2 pitch, the Gordon Runners go, swinging a ground ball up the middle, into center field. Span will score, Herman rounding third, he'll score. Around to third goes Heredia, the throw into second base will keep Gordon. At first, D. Gordon with a two-out, two-run single to center field, and the Mariners have a 2-0 lead here in the top half of the second. Clutch base hit by D. Gordon. Yeah, D. Gordon... Comes up big for the Mariners early in that ball game. The Mariners have a lead. Felix was strong in the ball game as well. The stretch and the one-two pitch swing and a miss and a changeup for strike three. Back-to-back strikeouts for Felix Hernandez, and he gets out of a jam here in the bottom of the fourth inning. Four strikeouts on the night for the King. And Denard's span would help increase the lead. Here comes his payoff pitch. Swing and this is lifted high out to right field. Rasmus is at the track. He is looking and it is gone over the big wall in right field. Denard Span, number seven on the season. And the Mariners get that run right back with two outs in the sixth inning. It's now 3 1 Mariners. Yeah, but the lead wouldn't last forever as Baltimore puts one on the board in the fifth, two on the board in the sixth. So this game was tied going into the seventh inning, but the Mariners coming up big late. We've seen it so many times this year. The Mariners in the seventh inning coming through to take the lead, and it was a lead they would not give back. First pitch to Hanniger. Low and outside. Caleb picked it. Joseph kicks it up the first baseline. Heredia crosses home plate, and the wildness of Castro results in a Mariners lead. It's 4-3 at the top of the seventh. 5-3 5-3 would be the final. Bullpen was outstanding. Pazos, Colome, Diaz combined to go three innings. No hits, no runs, no walks. Four punch shots to close it down. Mariners win. Midgery continues for Baltimore. M's 48-31. Baltimore 23-54. and It's been a struggle. We'll talk about what comes up next for the Mariners and O's starting tonight. But let's hear from Scott's service after the win last night. 
job. Nice to have Gene back in the lineup tonight, but more importantly, you know, defensively, uh, got to a couple really tough plays and, uh, you know, made good decisions on where to throw the ball to and, and uh, finished them. So it was great. And then Denard Span, obviously, in left field, uh, finished the inning off. So, uh, you know, Felix was okay. I thought stuff was pretty good early on. Uh, maybe not as sharp later on. I thought he had better fastball, a little life on the fastball at the bottom of the zone. So uh, he was able to, to get some sinkers and, and get some outs uh, with the fastball tonight. And it wasn't just so relying on the curveball and changing. Kind of ironic that a team like you that hits all those home runs where the game would kind of turn on an infield hit that looked like it might have been a sacrifice bunt. I don't uh, yeah, you know, D's a really accomplished bunter in a situation like that, trying to move move guys along. But, you know, that's, that's part of his game. Uh, and, uh, you know, he just gets it down. He runs so so darn fast down the line. A lot of times those, those sacks turn out to hits. So uh, we had a lot of traffic tonight. We got an opportunity to score a few more runs. Uh, you know, they, they, <laughs> they made some big pitches when we had guys in scoring position and didn't maybe put up as many as we should have. But we'll take it. Uh, for me, outstanding night by our bullpen. Our bullpen has struggled a little bit on this trip. And, you know, the guys were sharp tonight, Cosmos was on, Colomay outstanding tonight, and Eddie Diaz continues to be really good. He looks coming out strong. We've seen that in a few different starts now. This is a little different. He doesn't have, it's not Yankee Stadium like it was before. How important it is, is it for him to well, it's, it's just really important. We all know that Felix feeds off the energy and the environment he's in. And, you know, you're not going to have a packed house every night. That's the way the game uh, rolls out. But, you know, he needs to go out there and compete. They did a really good job tonight. You know, he owes it to his teammates. It's his day to take the ball and go deep in the ball game, and that's what he did tonight. And your ability to manufacture runs this season seems to be important. You can't always hit home runs. I mean, you have guys that can do that. Yeah, no, I think it's really important. We drew a lot of walks tonight, uh, got deep in some counts, bunts, the sack flies, you know, things like that. We've been doing it for the better part of the year. Uh, it's how we're built, you know, just not so reliant on the home run, and it's, it's worked pretty well. The span at that before the home run, just kind of the ability to step in, slow things down a little bit better. And yeah, Denard, is, there. Denard is really an accomplished hitter in the fact that he – you know, he's got so much experience, and I think a lot of our guys are learning watching him. I think we've tried to learn a little bit more at times that, you know, those at-bats uh, that he has, he really grinds out and, and finds a pitch to hit. And if it's down in the zone, and he puts a good swing on it. It was a big home run in the game. You know, they're starting to come back 2-1. We get to 3-1 and then add on from there. So uh, it's been a great addition to our team. You guys seem to have Casher on the ropes a little bit. Did, you, did he find something, or did you guys just uh, He threw the, the ball well, you know. Uh, you know, he had the one inning where he started, you know, he threw a lot of pitches and he walked a few guys, got his pitch count up. But, uh, you know, we've seen him a lot. And, um, you know, he does mix and match his stuff. Um, wasn't anything we hadn't seen before. But, you know, he made good pitches, got outs. The Mariners get the win here in game one of the series. How about Felix? What did he think of his start last night? You know, it was the third time around. They were, they were sitting and breaking balls. And, I used, you know, I mean, I get myself in trouble. I mean, walk, basically, and uh, hit by pitch. I mean, I was, with nobody else, I was able to get three runs, so I mean, the infield would do a pretty good job, too, so it was awesome. You think you had that comebacker, the line drive comebacker? Uh, it was, I wasn't trying to catch it. My hand was there accidentally. It was, it was coming out of hat, so. But I think with D, was, if the ball was passed by me, if D was right there, we would make a double play. Your defense, though, Segura made the two plays, yeah. and then Denar makes that catch. Yeah. That, that could change the whole inning if they don't. The, the, I mean, it changed the whole inning. It should have given both five runs. If Segura don't make that play, then uh, the better hand and then D-span, the, the catch, so that was pretty good. I mean, it's something for a pitcher to have that kind of defense behind him in terms of confidence and uh, knowing, good, knowing that they're there. Uh, it's good confidence. You know, I know we got a good infield and a good outfield, so I'm pretty confident in my team. Maybe. When the sinker's working like that, I think you had to 
Seven or eight ground balls in the first quarter. Is that an indicator? Uh, I do. That's, I mean, it's, that's, that's me. I mean, when we keep a ball in the ground, that's the way I appear. So it's pretty good. There was Felix Hernandez, and now the Mariners will take on Baltimore game two of the series tonight. 4-0-5, first pitch. Paxton against Kevin Gosman, 3-6, and six, a 4-3-8. And then Wednesday, LeBlanc, Alex Cobb, who has struggled in his first year with Baltimore, 4-0-5 first pitch. Thursday, a noon start, 12-0-5, leak against Dylan Bundy. Four-game series, the Mariners off on the right foot, taking the first game of this four-game series. Now we're going to give things over to Shannon Dreher, a chance to sit down with Scott Brocious. Yesterday, obviously, a, a, a tough game for the team, but we've seen them uh, many times come up against a pitcher who's got good stuff. Uh, let's start with day one with Corey Kluber. You're able to work those at-bats, but some days are just tougher than others. Yeah, I think there's days where you just you look back and you, you have to tip your cap. You understand that there's there's very good players out here in this league. Chris Sale's one of the best, and when you have one of the best, really probably with his best stuff of the year, um, he threw, was touching 100 miles an hour yesterday with the changeup and a slider that he's thrown for strikes. When he wanted to throw it and um, those are those are those days where I hated to do it sometimes as a player and as a coach but you just sort of have to tip your cap and say he was just uh, at his best and, and really tough to beat. And move on at that point. Now the game did I think provide one of the more entertaining moments of the season. Nelson Cruz a triple that's not something you see every day maybe you see it once a year if you're lucky and then he added a little bit of extra. What were you seeing as he rounded second base? Well, on that one, I'm going to tell you right now, blame the third base coach for what you saw Nelson doing right there. You know, as he came around second to third, I was like, my, my thought was, okay, easy, easy, right? Like, okay, you're here, get here. But I still had my hands up, so when he looked up, he thought I was trying to stop him, and I was just kind of yelling, right here, right here, but my hands were still up. And uh, so anyway, he was almost to the base, and then I thought he was going to be dead out and, and tried to stop. And so thank goodness they dropped the relay but uh that was score on the third base coach's shoulders right there and and my nonverbal communication was not very good at that point <laughs> what did he say to you when he stood up at third oh he just got there and he goes i thought i thought i was dead when you know i saw you and, and i go oh no i was just trying to tell you right there and, and try to take it easy but anyway I, I i do realize and and that's part of my my curve out there too is verbal and nonverbal. they need to match what i'm doing and and so i totally understand when my my hands are up he thought he was the throw was already there and somehow he needed to get in a rundown to us to to uh, stay out of an out i got to be a little better in terms of just telling him he actually is going to make it to third and, and kind of enjoy his triple well, we all enjoyed it so that's what really matters here <laughs> and everybody was safe on the other end you've got d gordon out there and that's got to be you've got to be probably thinking quick with him yeah he is um i mean he's fun and, and no question i mean he, i think with him what's so fun is is you can just you think aggressively you know and and um the, the play almost have to make you stop him, and, and maybe sometimes that doesn't even happen. Even if you want to stop him, he's not going to stop himself, and so uh, it makes the decision pretty easy. I think you know, I, I you know, I kind of heard the term that you know, fast guys find a way, a way to be safe, and and he does, and and so no question when he's on the bases and, and doing his thing, um, it's pretty fun to look out at second base and know that okay, uh, when it's D running, we can pretty much score on anything. We've been talking about it for years, but be aggressive, play the percentages. If you're smart about it, you're gonna 
cause things to happen. We're seeing that this year. Yeah, I think, you know, and that's what we want. You know, that's what we do, obviously, out on the bases, and we want our players is to understand, okay, the situation of the game, when does it dictate being more aggressive, being able to take a risk, and when are the times that we have to back it off a little bit and, and, and not do that. But, um, yeah, I love the idea of being aggressive and, and making the other teams make plays, and, and occasionally they're going to do it. They're going to make a great play and a great cutoff and, and a throw, and, and we're going to be out. But uh, I still love the idea of forcing them to make that play. Yeah, that too is fun to watch. It was funny. I was coming to get you, and I, I caught something that I kind of wanted to talk to you about. But you were talking with Andrew Romine about you know his batting practice and what you guys could do for him. There's so much work that goes on, and it, it's a group effort. What's the goal of that meeting every day with the hitters? Yeah, I think ultimately the goal coming out is to for us to have kind of a team plan. Like this is this is what uh, so and so tries to do, and and this is how we should try to get him. This is what our righties are going to do. This is what our lefties are going to do, and and so when we walk out, there's a little bit of a and just an overall team game plan to how to attack them. Yeah, it's neat because the first year it was kind of experimental, and they wanted to keep doing it. Yeah, and that's it. And, and they like the meetings; they want to keep doing it. Um, I, I think when you get in there, then you start to get a little groupthink. Also, um, certainly when I was a player, I wanted to hear from the guy who was having a lot of success against the pitcher. Okay, how are you doing it? What are you looking for? And so that's what happens. We, we watch the video, but then the conversations start to happen. Guys talk about how they approach them, and you can kind of learn from each other. So many good things going on before the game and sometimes entertaining things going on during it. Scott, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We'll try not to be quite that entertaining tonight. But, once is enough. <laughs> for sure. Now when our good friend Rich Waltz was in town to do the Facebook game recently in Seattle, Aaron Goldsmith, a chance to sit down with Rich, not only talk about the Facebook game, but talk about his memories of D. Gordon in Miami. He shares some of those memories. Of course, uh, Rich Waltz, the play-by-play voice of the Marlins while D. Gordon was there. Very interesting and emotional conversation with Rich Waltz. We love D. Gordon to pieces. The fan base has fallen in love with him. What are your great memories of D. Gordon as a Marlin? There's, well, look, there's, there's the D. Gordon on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the D. Gordon in the clubhouse. And then there's D. Gordon in the dugout. One, now you may have experienced this on Mariners television. We had this on Marlins TV because we had some great home run hitters. Giancarlo Stanton, Marcelo Zuna, Justin Bohr. D, whenever anybody would hit an absolute bomb, and there were a lot of them, you could hear before the crowd roared, you could hear D scream in the dugout on just about every big Marlins home run. So next time a a Mariner hits a big home run, if you've got good sound in the dugout, Mm -hmm. listen for someone going, ah, and it's D Gordon. He's a, I mean, look, he's a really special guy to begin with. Um, he brings energy. And, and having watched the, Mar- uh, the Mariners from afar, it seems like this Mariner team this year has a lot more energy on the field. They're, they play with, with a, more of an energy. And I think D brings that. And, and paired with Segura at the top of the lineup, uh, there is that palpable um, energy. Um, you know, the, the, the memories of D as a, as a Marlin are gold glove, winning the batting title on that last day from Bryce Harper, um, and then that, that, um, that incredible, sorrowful uh, home run that he hit in the, uh, that first game back after Jose Fernandez's death. Um, so he, I knew he would be uh, successful here. Um, and I knew he would be a really good addition. When, when I heard that that trade was made, it was like, well, they're, they're in for a real treat. I can tell for you, and understandably so, talking about Jose Fernandez is so emotional. Yep. We, the Mariners, were in Minnesota when we woke up that one morning and found out of his tragic passing. 
and then all of the baseball world together when D. Gordon hit that home run to a person in the world. Everyone thought this is the moment of the season in Major League Baseball. It was so emotional at Marlins Park. What was that like for you to witness that firsthand? Well, it was really it's the hardest thing that I've ever done in, 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 in my professional career because Jose was like everybody's little brother, including ours. When he had Tommy John surgery and spent half a season pestering us in the booth, coming up during the game and sitting in and coming on the air, just sitting and talking. He was everybody's little brother. He, he was so beloved. And, and look, there's a lot of layers of tragedy to what happened, including you know, his own fault. Um, but that was a really hard thing because it happened on a Sunday. We had to go on the air and tell everyone it happened and then carry that press conference. And, you know, the next night, uh, the team didn't come out until like five minutes before the game started. Um, they came out, guys ran a few wind sprints, and away they went. And we went, when we did our open of the show, I remember my producer said, I'm going to show you Yelich, I'll show you Stanton, and I'll show you uh, Ozuna. And so you come on the show, and it's, look, you're just trying to keep it together. And the live shots of, of these players, they're weeping. Um, and all of a sudden you realize I'm seeing something I've never seen in my life and that continued through the first four or five innings there were Mets players that were weeping there were Marlin players that were weeping Um, and uh, you know we got through it I got through it uh, without breaking until uh, the very end no easy transition, but as you are here in Seattle, you live in Issaquah, of course, but you're here at the ballpark to be broadcasting the Facebook game. And you know you've done a number of these, including one already here at Safeco Field. What are these games like for you? This is kind of a, a fun thing that baseball is doing this year. It is. It's a big initiative for, for Major League Baseball. Um, it, look, if you have uh, kids in your, in your house or even 20-year-olds, you know that they don't watch television they watch their devices or they stream their uh, shows from their devices onto the TV sets. So that's essentially what this is trying to capitalize on. They take a midweek game where people are at their office and probably watching on devices, um, and Facebook has, has paid the rights fee for the – it's a national telecast. Um, so you, you announce it as a regular television game. It, it's you know The booth is the same, the monitors are the same, the microphones are the same. The only difference is on the, the broadcast um, outlet, which is Facebook, there are comments that, that they have which are Facebook-like. You can remove those. If you're on a device, just swipe right. Um, be careful what app you're on when you swipe right. <laughs> but, but you can swipe right to remove them. And if you're streaming it uh, off a laptop or a, a personal computer, there's a button you can push to, to get rid of the comments. Um, the, the unique thing about it, it's a hard te- uh, telecast to announce because there's no commercials. So, but the cool thing is we get to do fun stuff during the breaks. Our, our interviews with managers or players, our long-form uh, two-minute interviews. Uh, we have features that MLB ne- – it's an MLB network show. I'm hired by MLB network. We don't work for Facebook. Um, we're hired by MLB network. It's an MLB network telecast that, that is on Facebook. Uh, and they supply a lot of the cool stuff that happens between. Uh, we'll do stuff with our sideline announcer and stuff that you just can't do on a regular telecast. 
Well, Richard, it's always great to see you, especially here in well, kind of your home ballpark. Thanks for the time, man. It's, it's fun to be back. I mean, it's weird to be back. Uh, so much has changed. Mm -hmm. But then again, you walk into this place and all, all, all the memories come uh, rushing back. And you know, I have to say, uh, the last uh, couple months, I've had a chance to watch more Mariner games than I have in the last 14 or 15 years. And you guys do a terrific job. You have great chemistry um, with Rick, with Blowers, with Dave, uh, with Gary, uh, Dan Wilson, all the, the guys. It's, this is a really good, fun telecast to watch. I know it helps to have a good team on the field. <laughs> that, that helps. Believe me, I know that firsthand. Uh, but you guys are doing a, you're a fun listen and you're a, a fun watch. So uh, the people here in Seattle are really lucky. Well, it's very nice of you. We are having a lot of fun, and it's great talking with you as always, Rich. Thanks for the time. All right, Aaron, thank you. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Riz Remembers. And we're here at beautiful Fenway Park in Boston where I saw one of the greatest catches in the history of the Mariners franchise. It was late July, July 29th, back in 1997, and the Mariners had Jay Buhner out in right field. Mariners against the Red Sox. And Scott Hatterberg hit a fly ball deep to right field that was going to be a home run. It was heading to the bullpen. But Jay Buhner, the great defensive right fielder, went racing back. As he hit that short wall in straightaway right field, leaped high in the air, made the catch, and he tumbled over the wall into the bullpen and was completely out of sight, but he made one of the most miraculous catches I've ever seen. And he jumped over the wall, came back, showed everybody he had the ball, and it was an out. Pitch on the way, swinging a well-hit ball deep to right field. Buhner going back to the one track, leaps up, and he makes the catch, I believe, and falls into the Boston bullpen. Jay Buhner makes an absolutely incredible catch. He leaps up over the wall, and he falls into the Boston Red Sox bullpen. He disappears from sight. One of the greatest catches I have ever seen. Jay Buhner leaps high in the air, and then he's gone. Now, the interesting thing about that play was before the game that night, Jay Buhner asked one of the umpires a very interesting question. He said, what would happen if I make a catch, tumble into the bullpen, and I toss the ball from the pen to Ken Griffey Jr.? And the umpire, and I believe it was Darwin Merrill, said it would be a home run. He said, you have to show control of the ball, and you have to bring the ball back onto the field of play. That's why Jay Buhner hopped over the fence as fast as he could to show everybody he made the catch, and he robbed Scott Hatterberg of what would have been a home run. One of the greatest catches I've ever seen anybody make, and it happened right here late July 1997. High fly ball by Hatterberg headed for the bullpen, and it's into the bullpen. So is Jay Buhner, but does he have the baseball? Buhner! What a catch, what a play by one of the greatest outfielders in the history of this franchise, Jay Buhner. And it happened right here at Fenway Park on July the 29th, 1997. That miraculous catch tumbling into the bullpen in right field here at Fenway Park. What a play by Jay Buhner.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.